Welcome to the Green Element Podcast, where we meet business leaders and innovators transforming their operations to be more environmentally and socially sustainable, and in the process, help you on your journey of sustainability. I'm your host, Will Richardson. Today, we are speaking with Rasha Hazanin, the Vice President of Innovation and Product Management Excellence for Train Technologies, an industrial manufacturing company formed in 1905 that produce a range of efficient and sustainable climate solutions to buildings, homes, and transportation. This is why Train Technologies describes itself as a global climate innovator. Rasha Hazanin is a seasoned executive with a broad background in product management, product marketing, strategy, and planning. Rasha is also a member of the Board of Advisors for Climate Tech, the global community of innovators working to address the climate crisis. Rasha, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Well, Excited to be here. Before we get chatting about train technologies, I'd just like to know a bit more about you and particularly your journey from working in the oil and gas sector and moving into the sustainability sector. And how did that transition come about for you? Sure. Um, I will tell you that the transition out of digital, which is where I spent uh, the first sort of part of my career into back, back into the industrial sector, actually was driven by sustainability. And so after spending um, a good number of years in Silicon Valley um, doing software, it became clear to me that um, software and digital solutions have a, a very important role to play in climate change. But only if you can if if you can influence the industries that were driving a lot of the climate issues, and so um, that was at the time I was I was working in Silicon Valley, and that was when I decided I needed to learn more about sustainability and tri- climate change, and started my my PhD actually in sustainability. At the time, I was really interested in supply side sustainability. So at the at industries that were that were generating carbon, not industries that were generating the fuels that were generating carbon, not necessarily the industries that were generating carbon. And so um, I started to learn a lot more about sustainable fuels, sustainable energy production, and that's how I got into oil and gas. And my goal, oil and gas and power really, and my goal was to really understand how to generate more sustainable fuels, how to sustainably generate fuels, and really work on the supply side. And then going into power, more sustainable power power generation. And how do you get the most out of your existing assets as you transition into a more renewable environment? My underlying thesis is it's not going to be a silver bullet. It's not going to happen overnight. So you have to make existing industries more sustainable while finding new solutions for sustainability. And while I was in that sector, I was approached by Train at the time it was Ingersoll Rand. And the pitch at the time was, hey, you thought there was opportunity on the supply side. You need to come over to the demand side because consumption of these fuels generates as much greenhouse gas um, and, and climate as as um, as the the production side, but at a much bigger scale. And and the, the whole idea was, you know, at some point, every every home will have some form of HVAC or climate control system, whether it's heating or cooling. And as the climate gets warmer, that goes up. And Train at the time 
was very committed to ensuring that that happened in a way that was sustainable for the environment. And that is actually what drew me to, to train. And, and I've never looked back because the scale that you can impact from an HVAC perspective across all of our sectors, whether it's heating, whether it's increasing ventilation, which whether it's air conditioning, um, all whether it's refrigeration of, of goods, all have a huge impact on the climate. And because there's so many more of them than there are power plants, um, if you can make a, 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 a significant change in how these things operate from a sustainability perspective, you can have a huge, a much bigger impact on the planet. And that's, that's how I made it here. Brilliant. And so Train makes heating, ventilation, Air conditioning um, and air conditioning units. and refrigerators and and, and refrigerators. And, mm-hmm. Okay, big big industrial size, <laughs> not not home refrigerators, but things that that refrigerate sort of big trailers, uh, lorries um, that carry food and ice cream, and um, in the latest case, vaccines and pharmaceuticals. And so, from a sustainable point of view, your products use less energy to heat more or cool you know cool more etc that's correct and is it within the product itself as well so when you design the product i.e end of life etc both so there's a few different ways sort of cooling and heating products impact the environment um, the first is really around the refrigerants that that they use so um, a lot of people in the residential space refer to it as Freon, but it's really the refrigerant that's that's being used to cool. Um, a lot of those refrigerants, the very traditional refrigerants, have um, higher global warming potential, but, but that's what's really required for them to generate that efficiency. So it's always that trade-off between getting a product to be as energy efficient as possible while using um, a refrigerant that has a, a relatively high global warming potential. So we, we're very, very focused on uh, working with with um, chemical organizations um, that are that are developing refrigerants that have a lower global warming potential. Number one, we're also very focused on reclaiming those refrigerants versus venting them. That's the second real piece of it: reclaiming them and then neutralizing them so they don't ever get into the atmosphere. the The other side that we look at is really around. Um, the, not just the efficiency of the products and how they're designed, but the efficiency of the overall system. So um, while a home HVAC system may have just a couple of components, in a lot of places, home systems are, are mini splits or ductless systems, which are very simple. Commercial um, air conditioning and heating is very complex. You can just imagine if you have to centrally cool or heat uh, you know, a 12-story building in a large urban environment, those are highly complex systems. So in addition to having these individual components of the system be very efficient, we look at optimizing the system itself across multiple components using advanced control mechanisms to make sure that, you know, with the occupancy and, and ex- external sort of weather conditions and humidity and all of these pieces coming together, we have the most efficient sort of systems. Um, and then the third really big piece pillar that we look at, and we'll talk about these efficient systems a little further be- further down, because with the pandemic, we've had some really interesting shifts in how we think about 
those systems because they impact the quality of the air we breathe in these spaces. Um, the third, I think, big pillar for us, what we call our sustainability pathways, is really our impact on food waste. And so um, our, our transport refrigeration business transports the world's food all over, right? It, they can be taking food from a farmer a short distance to a market or to a processing facility, or they can be taking tuna from you know one part of the world to the other part of the world. They can also be taking pharmaceuticals, medications, vaccines, blood, plasma, all over the world. And so um, when we think about sustainability, we really think about how do we reduce the amount of food loss and food waste all over the world, which um, if, if we if you look at sort of um, uh, the UN, that, that can contribute as much as 8% of the total greenhouse gas um, emissions um, of the world, right? So if we can improve the shelf life of food and reduce the amount of food that's lost or waste throughout the food chain, we can impact um, a climate change. So those are our three sort of big pathways when we think about um, when we think about um, um, climate. There, we have other smaller ones, and and we're always looking uh, at ways to innovate and and further impact the world there. Um, but but those are our three big ones right now. And how do you measure, say? The last one. I mean, that's a really hard thing to try and measure. It is. It is. So we are actively. So we recently announced um, our science base. We we recently announced that we um, are qualified uh, for the second time with our science based target. So we have algorithms for measuring the baseline of that. Is that scope one and two? Or are you including scope, scope three scope in the science based targets? It is scope three as well. Okay, brilliant. Um, and we, the way we're looking at it is we have a, you know, so we had 2020 commitments that we met um, ahead of our timeline for our 2030 commitments, which we're, we're, we're talking about um, scope, a scope three commitment of a gigaton of carbon reductions. Um, we are, uh, we're using sort of a baseline um, of what, this what the industry sort of emits now and then we're looking at improvements um over and above that and we there's sort of very sophisticated algorithms <laughs> that this our sustainability teams use we have an analytics leader who who focuses on that but i think the industry overall is evolving in how we measure that and, you know, the more we can interconnect the value chain around food, the more we can create some of these um, cold chain, what we call cold chain solutions. So solutions that connect, um, you know, a head of lettuce from all the way from growing it to consuming it, the more we can digitally track that, the, the better we're going to be at measuring that. But right now, I think the entire industry is evolving in terms of how we truly uh, measure progress. Here, um, I would say, you know, the the our goal is is so, is so large. <laughs> if we can get it directionally correct, we're going to be really awesome. Um, but but it is very much around how much longer can you extend shelf life the shelf life of food, and then you can sort of back into what that means from a green how much less is wasted, and therefore how much greenhouse gas. Um, can be um, can be emitted, and then you can do some things around how much of that sits with your products versus uh, versus a competitors' products, for example. Okay, 
Interesting. And so when looking at, say, for example, air conditioning, do you, and looking at science-based targets, do you take into consideration, because it's all about the reductions, mm-hmm. as we know, we, mm-hmm. it's nine, basically you've got to reduce by 90% Correct. as a rule of thumb. Mm. And so do you look at, right, 10 years ago, we were using this gas, now we're using this gas. Mm-hmm. In 10 years time, we shouldn't be using any type of gas we should be able to be ionizing air that then i I, i've just completely made that up but you know what i mean something that's completely completely climate free yeah yeah so that's exactly that's exactly right so we have pathways using sort of you know traditional technologies or technologies that we know today um and there we you know our target is to get you know, is is to get as much reduction as possible wh- where science will let us, right? Um, and and like I said, is always that balance. You could use, you know, um, you can use um, refrigerants that have lower global warming potential, but you compromise efficiency. And when you compromise efficiency, you use more fossils. And so we're very very conscious of you know the grid impacts. And if I have to use more fossils, I can't just take, I can't just drop, you know, my refrigerant, kill my efficiency just because, oh, well, I don't generate power. The power industry has to worry about that. No, we're very much focused on this energy balancing energy intensity with, you know, with refrigerant impact. In parallel, my team, so the innovation team is really looking at transformative innovation. So non-vapor, what we call vapor, vapor compression is the, is a thermodynamic cycle we use to cool and heat. Everybody uses it, whether it's your refrigerator at home or your freezer or a big unit that's cooling Burj Khalifa, right? Um, We all use the same thermodynamic cycle, which is this vapor compression cycle, which requires a refrigerant. We're looking at, you know, what my team is doing is looking at emerging technologies that don't, that aren't vapor compression at all, right? That don't, don't require a refrigerant and, and different ways of cooling. And, and so we're constantly on the lookout as soon as that the science evolves and can scale. So again, things that work on small scales, they might work in your home refrigerator, you know, won't necessarily work at scale um, for a large commercial building. The energy tax would be too high again, right? And so we're we're constantly looking at these emerging technologies that that um that can you know, reduce our reliance on, on refrigerants. However, like there's no free lunch. Let's, let's be clear there, there is no free lunch. So how do we figure out the, the right, you know, how do we minimize our impact on climate? How do we get our energy efficiency down to a point where we can use renewables most of the time, right? Um, or a hundred percent of the time to, to power these devices. A lot of it, a lot of it, has to do with scale on these in these very large buildings in our transport refrigeration business it has to be mobile you can't rely on it being um being being static so there are all of these constraints and and what we're doing is trying to really uncover this transformative innovation that's going to allow us to reduce our reliance on refrigerants while not compromising the energy impact or, or the, um, the 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 carbon footprint of of the um, of the device itself, and for us, our devices last so long, right? That embodied carbon is just a blip. It's always about use carbon, right? It's about the carbon, the operating the operating envelope, right? I mean, these are you know our the 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 um, the shortest p- 
piece of equipment we we make last 15 years. Most last 30 or 50 years. And so when you look at energy consumption over that time, you know, our embodied carbon becomes such a small blip in that, just like with an automotive just like with an automobile. Back I think it was about 4 or 5 years ago, Germany produced a passive office block mm-hmm. and therefore it I think it's completely energy neutral. There's nothing They've got air conditioning, they've got um, heating because everything is done within that one building. They obviously don't have air conditioning units. Mm-hmm. Now, should, should we? You know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Do we need? Do we need you as an organisation? Should we not be going down that route because actually that is more environmental? But I'm asking. That's more of a question than a statement. Yeah. So so the climate zones on this planet that allow you to create a completely passive building and allow people in the building to be comfortable. And by comfortable, I mean, we're talking about, um, you know, thermal comfort and we'll get it. This is getting a lot more now in in our environmental quality, but thermal comfort, air quality, um, uh, visual comfort, all contribute to our health and well-being when you're inside. Um, your productivity, your learning, um, your personal health suffers if you're if you don't have um, certain levels of thermal comfort over extended periods of time. There's very few climate zones in the world where that can be achieved without some sort of intervention. And so, yeah, you could if you piled everybody into, you know, this moderate Germany, the UK, the not even the northern part of the U.S. because you need heating. You would need like the middle zone in the U.S. Um, so you're you're in this situation, and the planet is warming. And ironically, the more it warms, the more the fewer of those zones exist. Mm. And yeah. so the extreme, you know, p- climate change isn't just about global warming; it's about global extremes. And the more you have these extremes, snowstorms in Texas, 95 degree heat in in Minneapolis, those are sort of our extremes this year, right? Um, you you end up with more need. So it's it's this vicious circle. So we have to figure out how to create what we call life sustaining cooling without imp- with with the minimal possible impact on the planet. We have, I, you know, I, my team has a passive cooling portfolio. We're constantly looking at passive cooling technologies that further allow you to expand that scope. But a lot of these passive cooling technologies require you, you need to be facing the sun and you need to have a lot of space. And it's okay. Well, if I'm in an urban environment with very narrow buildings that have a lot of density, I don't, I can't get enough. But if I'm spread out in a very large sort of suburban or rural environment, yeah, maybe I can get space to do some passive cooling. And so all of these are, are trade-offs, Will, and um, and really the climate zones that allow you to, the, the luxury of having a completely passive and comfortable building are not getting more in the world, they're, they're getting less. And so we as companies, as, as climate companies, have to be responsible for how we are providing this com- this this indoor environment um, for our customers, 
while caring about our impact on the planet. I mean, look, ideally we could not drive cars and not have an impact on the planet, right? Well, there's a lot of things we cannot do and not have an impact on the planet. Those don't tend to be practical in all places in the world. I would imagine what we're talking about actually complements each other as well, though, because yeah. if you position your building you know, with certain windows, certain things, but you use your technology, you're you're using it at less because you're using on the extremes. So they, and it goes back to what you said right at the beginning about actually it's not just one thing. It is everything coming together. And 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 let's be clear, right? The, the ideal building has no windows. Oh, really? But yeah, because, because windows create two things. One, they create a greenhouse gas effect. So window glazing is a big thing. But two, you can't insulate a window. So you're losing heat through the window and you're losing cool through the window. So, so, but we know that our mental health requires visual comfort. We need sunshine. We need a, a visual sort of, of trees and, and natural environment. So we need to have windows. So now it's window glazing. So this is where it's like the perfectly tight building, you know, has no, has no windows, has really thick walls, right? Doesn't have the best air, because you're constantly recirculating air. So as soon as you bring in fresh air from the outside, you have to condition that. So you're like breathing each other's air. Um, so there's there's a lot of, um, of needs that the human body has that requires us to have these balances of, I need to have high quality, and this is where you know my focus is with the Center for Healthy and Efficient Spaces, high quality indoor environments that keep me as a human healthy while min- while not compromising our goal for sustainable buildings. Um, so making these buildings as efficient and as sustainable as possible. And it's that constant balance that makes um, that makes my job interesting. <laughs> um, but but that the train is committed to providing. In your opinion, how big a role does the technology sector have to play in achieving net zero? Um, Technology is in digital technology or technology is in innovation. Innovation. Yeah. Big, huge, because uh, I will tell you most companies that have committed to what we've committed to. So a gigaton, a gigaton reduction, um, we've got, you know, we have line of sight to, you know, if, if with everything we know today, all of the technologies that are common and mainstream today, we can't get there. So we're relying very heavily on innovating in this space. And some of it is digital technology. So can we get to a situation where um, AI and machine learning constantly and continuously optimizes these systems for the conditions of the weather, of occupancy, et cetera? So, so advances in digital technology, advances in sensing. Can I sense when I have a need for temperature, very personal cooling, right, versus zone cooling, um, so those, that type of technology is essential. And c- as it continues to advance and we continue to, a- to apply it, that's going to have a huge uh, impact. Materials technology, mechanical technology, all of these advances are going to be required. Um, you know, the ability to go to, um, to non-vapor compression means I either have to have some real solid um, energy storage, um, some some you know, some, some, some way for materials to substitute for the thermodynamic cycle, or I have to have a different thermodynamic cycle, which is a very mechanical, mechanic, 
electro sort of electromechanical approach. And so all of these innov- every field of innovation will apply. Um, and and you know, we're relying on the fact that technology with the right funding, with the right focus, technology that's focused on sustainability, clean tech is gonna, really going to enable us to go there. And we're constantly on the lookout outside of the commercial, sort of the HVAC space for what are other industries doing? What technologies are they using to solve difficult problems? Can they be applied? So I'll give you an example. Um noise reduction. So acoustics are very important to human health. It's part of our indoor environmental quality. We look to the the um, aerospace industry, very loud jet engines. Um, how What are they using to dampen noise? And can we use some of those types of technologies to create um, um, the right acoustic profile for an indoor building. So noise is not disrupting our environments without, and that way I don't have to compromise the efficiency of my machine to get lower noise. I can use an acoustic material to dampen the noise and still have high, you know, high efficiency, you know, high efficiency machines. So things Which like also that. Which to your thermal as well, I would imagine. Exactly. Because it keeps the heat in. Exactly. So, so all of these n- innovations from other industries, we are always looking to say, okay, what are some of these proven technologies in these more sophisticated industries that we can bring in? What are they doing in space? Like, can, what can we learn from the space program that can be applied here to improve efficiency and reuse, et cetera? So there's, you know, we're constantly scanning and screening from an innovation perspective to really ba- to figure out how we continuously improve the indoor environment while reducing our climate footprint, oh, continuously reducing our climate footprint. You know, our, our biggest hope is that there will be technologies out there that provide us a step change improvement, like you talked about, right? Is there something that we can use that eliminates refrigerants altogether? That would be a step a step change improvement, um, but but it doesn't exist yet, right? So so we're constantly out there looking, talking to inventors, talking to universities. Yeah, I'm on the board for on for venture for climate tech, looking at new companies, looking at other industries, and then really experimenting and prototyping and 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 piloting technologies all the time to help us balance that. You should look at ionizing air. So we we have no <laughs> we we have no. We we have we've tested ionization have you? technology. I completely, yeah, completely made that up. <laughs> I am not an inventor, but, but, no, but not for but not not for cooling for for okay. air quality. So so right. Okay. So that's the other thing, right? With because yeah, you can ionize water, can't you? For quality, that, yes, yes, okay. you can. So so we are we're looking at all different kinds of technologies, and and it is a it's a high bar, right? Because we're talking about human health for us. So so we are you know it's easy. You know what? What's easy is I can I can increase the amount of outlight outside air I bring in, so I can bring in more air from the outside, increase ventilation, and if you and if you happen to live in a in a in an area where outdoor air is clean, that's fantastic. You don't have to do as much filtering, but you still have to condition that air, which increases energy increases the energy consumption. The 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 higher quality your filters the cleaner the air that you're going to breathe, but the more energy you're going to use because there's a higher pressure drop across those filters. So during COVID, you know, we were all advocating for, um, and we continue to advocate for 
high, what we call MERV filters. So you hear about MERV 13 or, or whatever, these high, high quality HEPA filters, right? You know, what, what people don't talk about is that's a huge energy drain. And for your house that, first of all, they're expensive and you have to change them way more often, but, but for your house, that's not a big deal, right? So yeah. So now I'm paying $30 or whatever the, you know, 10 pounds. No, it's not that bad anymore, but, but you're paying a lot more for a filter and you're changing it more often, but, but then, um, and you're paying a little bit more for electricity, but that multiplies, right? If every house in the country, every house in the world were to increase their filter level and increase the amount of times they open the window, right? Or how, of the, the amount of outside air they bring, it would blow up our greenhouse. We would be using so much electricity, let alone for these huge buildings, right? These are huge amounts of 30 to 40% is what we've seen through the pandemic. And so we've got to innovate. We've got to find ways of, of being able to recirculate conditioned air to in order to really keep that global sort of that 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 greenhouse gas footprint down while continuously cleaning that air so that you're not recirculating bad stuff, right? And and that's really, you know, the the nut to crack, right? So we've we've obviously we've introduced some innovations. We're, there's so much more work to do there. But what I think the pandemic has done is it is it's really raised people's awareness around, hey, look, the, the air I breathe matters, right? And and so now I want to have really good quality air, but I can't do I can't afford to do that forever with the current technologies. So we're, you know, we're on a quest right now to really understand what the best technologies are for air cleaning, for purification, so that we can provide those solutions. We know the tried and true, and that's what we're providing to our customers today. And what we're trying to do is really introduce new innovation that allows us to really bend the, to, to provide that air quality while bending the curve, continuing to bend the curve on, on climate change. And one of the things that we've, we learned through this process is if you look at just cold and flu, right, through the pandemic, because of all the safety measures we've taken, cold and flu cases, at least in the U.S., have, are, are now so low, the CDC can't count them. So it went from like 40,000 deaths a year, 500,000 cases to under 3,000. And by the way, if you go to the CDC website, it goes, we think it's under 3,000, but it's so low, it's hard to count. And so now we've learned that I don't have to deal with a flu season that kills 40,000 people a year, at least in the U.S. Um, now, but, but, but I can't, I don't want to be wearing a mask all the time and I don't want to use hand sanitizer all the time, but there are measures we can take just with indoor air quality, right. That can help us reduce the, reduce allergen, you know, reduce allergens inside our homes, inside our buildings, reduce transmission of, of communicable diseases. Um, there are technologies we can use to do that. Now, our goal is to, is to uncover and mature those technologies that allow us to do that without compromising energy efficiency. That's the nut to crack. Yeah. What drove you as a large organization? Um, I'm just fascinated to know what are the drivers behind it? Because why, why isn't everyone in your industry doing it? It's hard to say why everyone is in our industry isn't doing it. What <laughs> I can tell you is why we're doing it. So yeah. Um, sustainability is at the core of train technology's purpose. 
it has been for the last 10 years. So when we set our, set our 2020 targets, it was core to our purpose. And, and, um, and, and, and our, our previous CEO and now our new CEO are committed to climate being um, at the core of what we do. And, and the reason we do that is because we, everybody in the company, and, and we run very large innovation contests across the entire company, but we've built a culture where everyone in the company is committed to providing these, you know, life-sustaining cooling services without compromising the planet. The planet is important. So everyone I talk to, you know, is incredibly focused on, on, um, on, on, on climate and and the impact of of the built environment on climate. And so someone's got to do it, right? The industry will has to change or get disrupted. And for us, the the core, the purpose, our purpose as a company is to do that. And so, you know, at the end of the day, um everybody all industries are going to have to embrace climate change, right? And they're all going to have to figure out how they're going to do their part. We're just choosing to do it first, right? We just don't feel it's sustainable um, to continue to go on our current trajectory. So whether it's attaching, you know, reducing, you know, distributed heating sources, attaching more sort of higher efficiency um, electric heat to the grid and then focusing on grid decarbonization, whether it's energy efficiency of our systems, whether it's um, looking for refrigerant alternatives, whether it's reducing food waste, those are all things we can do to change really the world and and continue to allow the world to develop, right? And to have those services in a way that's sustainable, right? Again, we can all go back to we can all do not we can all not drive right there's a mm-hmm. lot of things we could we could we could deprive ourselves of yeah. Yeah. right to get to a more sustainable world and there then there are ways to innovate to give us you know those those levels of comfort those services that we need to really thrive as a civilization without compromising the climate and that's what we're really focused on our listeners um are running businesses, they are looking at um, probably technologies like yours to install into their buildings. I mean, other than the obvious, install our technologies. What sort of things would would you want the listeners to be looking at and doing? There's a couple of things, right? Um, Your listeners need to understand that there are... um, you know, that, that, that there are alternatives, right? So, so be mindful as you're, you know, typically the HVAC, even in our homes is the last thing we think about, even though it's the biggest component of most of our electricity bills, especially if you have central air in in your home, right? Um, Businesses are not different, right? HVAC is a huge component of, um, of, of their, of, of their utility bills, but not just that, right? Um, When you think about, um, businesses that serve clients. Um, when you go into a store to purchase something, how you purchase is highly dependent on the environment you walk into, and you see a lot of work being done on lighting and display of merchandise. And there's so many studies to that. What I would say is uh, to 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 your to your listeners is be mindful. 
be mindful that you can make small changes in your indoor environment and really impact your clients, number one, but number two, really impact your carbon footprint. And so just increasing the energy efficiency of your system, a lot of a lot of businesses may not have control over their facilities, right? They may be renting or leasing a facility. Well, there are things you can, you know, you can do even in your space um, to improve your indoor environment without having a huge impact on climate. You can understand from your facilities, um, for, from your facilities managers, what they're doing to ensure you have a high quality environment, high, high efficiency. You can, you can, I would say, you know, ask the question as you're looking to lease space. And the question is, you know, it's, what are, you know, ask the question of your, of of the HVAC system, Ask, ask the question of the indoor environment, ask your facilities managers, right? Help me understand, put in monitoring devices. There, you know, we sell monitoring devices. They're great monitoring devices on the market today, you know, monitor your indoor environmental quality and then understand what your facilities teams are doing to to make sure those those indoor environments are high quality and what are they doing to ensure that the energy consumption isn't skyrocketing as a result. Um, that's really the deal. Now, if you do have full control over sort of your entire facility, you own the facility or, or you are in the building management space, you know, look for those solutions that provide the balance of high quality indoor environments and energy efficiency. The pendulum's going to have to swing back post-pandemic. We can't afford um, to pay these these energy taxes that we have been paying, but there are solutions. And so have an open mind, ask the questions around safety and efficacy of these air quality solutions and the energy intensity of those. Don't forget to ask about energy intensity, right? When you're thinking about those solutions for yourself, understand the energy intensity and the footprint of what you're doing and and drive us, drive all of us in the industry to be better at helping you understand that because that's what's going to make us better as an industry is when consumers are demanding that of us. If they don't demand it of us, it's very hard for us to justify continuing, right? With us, we have a purpose. We continue to do it. We need everyone who's thinking about, you know, facilities, buildings, et cetera, to be thinking about the most environmental solution um, because we need the industry to get better. We all need to be better at it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for today. I've got one. It's been so interesting. I could carry on um, for ages listening to you and talking to you about what it is that you're doing because it's such an integral part of running a business and running organizations, whatever it is, from manufacturing to office space to yes. you know to everything, and it is encompasses everything around us as well. So it's you know what we put in our bodies, what we drink, what we yeah. you know. It's brilliant, and it's lovely to hear a company that isn't greenwashing. That right. actually is doing something, and uh, you know, you can read between the lines. And sometimes, sadly, I've done these podcasts, and I can read between the lines. I've been doing this for long enough that I won't p- call someone out on a podcast because I don't think that's fair to that person. But I think the listener can come to their own conclusions on the questions I've asked. But I hope that, well, I know that the listener will cu- understand that you guys are doing it, and. Um, it's we've actually got a podcast special coming out on mm-hmm. 
organizations that are trying to reach that real net zero science-based targets obviously included in that but what are you doing as a business to get to real net zero by 2050 and i believe that one you're one of those companies that are truly forging the way for others it's going to be a really hard journey it's not going to be easy this it is and it it's a it's always a it's a pleasure working for a company that that sort of walks the talk i know i didn't mm-hmm. talk about our scope 1 and scope 2 that's not my wheelhouse, but we do, you know, any one of our listeners can, any one of your listeners can go to the, to our site and look at our scope, our scope one and scope two commitments mm. as well. But I will tell you, well, um, I have worked for companies that greenwash and, I, and mm. I've not loved it. Right. Because I, you know, this is kind of what I've been doing for the last 10 years. Like this is what I want to do for the rest <laughs> of my life. So mm. it's, I, this is what I love about working also for train it, for train and for train technologies is, um, is, you know, we, it, it's amazing to be surrounded by, by people who this is that their core and by an, a leadership team that is focused on this at our, at our core. And so, um, so you're absolutely right. It is, um, it's not just great to listen to. It's great to work. It's great to work there, to work there yeah. as well. Um, and yeah. it's great to be innovating in this space and be encouraged yeah. to continue to innovate in this space as, as an employee. Can I finish on asking you what you think your business superpower is? Our business superpower is um, our purpose-driven culture. It, it absolutely is. I will tell you, um, having lived through this last year and a half um, with a pandemic where it's airborne, it's not airborne. Oh, it's airborne and HVAC makes it worse. Oh, it's airborne and HVAC doesn't. Like so much um, sort of noise in the marketplace. Um, what I love about our company is is really how we came, how we came together in this pandemic to really help our employees and our customers. I mean, the pandemic, the, you know, COVID was declared a, a pandemic from the U.S. in March. By, by the end of March, we had measures in place for business continuity, for keeping our employees safe. We had employees in China procuring, because they were ahead of the U.S., procuring PPE and sending it to our plants um, in the U.S. Within three weeks of just secure it, making sure our employees were safe, that we could get back to work safely. We had all the measures in place, all the PEPE, all the procedures we needed. We had convened a cross company group to understand how we help our customers. And we were, we, you know, we scoured our portfolios around because we had been working on indoor air quality for years in pockets across the organization. We brought a a huge cross-functional team together. We were sharing experiences. Products were being exported from the U.S. to China. China was identifying partners in China and then taking the learnings back to the U.S. We were launching product. We were repositioning product. We were going out to our customers and helping them, you know, optimize their HVAC systems for unoccupied spaces. We're putting, helping them put procedures in place for reoccupying places for, you know, we were helping them upgrade their systems. We were assessing their systems and what they've been doing. We found a lot of companies that hadn't, you know, that hadn't kept up their maintenance, that their air quality wasn't great. Like we, we were helping them come back and it was all in a matter of weeks and the whole company rallied around helping our customers be as sustainable and come back to work 
as quickly as possible. And then we launched the Center for Healthy and Efficient Spaces because we knew that the pendulum swings and that energy efficiency goes out the window. We couldn't let that happen. We needed to keep energy efficiency front and center as we were coming out of the pandemic. You know, a culture that is not purpose-driven and focused on the customer and focused on really making the world better would not have been able to come together that way. And and that is, in my opinion, really train technology's superpower is, is, a, is a culture that's purpose-driven around sustainability. And if you, you know, you fit there, you fit there. Right. And and that's that's kind of what I what I love about train. Brilliant. Hopefully that answers Brilliant. your question. It does. Thank you, Russia. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Sustainable Business Podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, why not join our post-podcast discussion in our online community at sustainabilitysolve.org. We will be sharing ideas and collaborating on technology and sustainability with our members. Join now and find a space to collaborate with like-minded professionals, learn more about sustainable business and inspire others to become more environmental. We also have an important update. We'll soon be changing the name of this podcast to Sustainability Solved to better reflect the contents of our podcast. You will still be able to access all our original podcasts on your preferred platform. And if you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get every episode. And don't forget to follow Green Element on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.